Welcome to the RCAP USA Roundup, a podcast where we have real conversations affecting both cattle producers and beef consumers. We're your hosts, Jaden Moreland and Karina Jones. With that, let's get to today's episode. If you've been watching on social media, you'll know the RCAP USA staff and board have been super, super busy this summer. From the White House to cattle markets to planning for the 2023 convention, we have covered it all with President Brett Kinsey and Vice President Eric Nelson. Well, we are live this Thursday evening. I hope everyone has had a great week. And thank you for everybody jumping on here with us. Um, We've been super, super busy the past few weeks. Um, And tonight we just kind of wanted to host this meeting and give an update on our recent activities and just kind of talk about upcoming events. Um, And most importantly, our convention is coming up and we'll touch on that later. And that's gonna be August 17th and 18th in Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, So take this as your invitation to come join us. It's gonna be a great year. Um, So without further ado, we have on here with us our CAF USA president, Brett Kinsey out of South Dakota and vice president, Eric Nelson out of Iowa and Field Director Karina Jones out of Nebraska. Um, So let us know in the comments where you're watching from and comment and let us know if you have any questions. And with that, Karina. All right. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to get right to it. Eric, let's talk about the reason why, you know, we exist, the cattle markets, correct? So from an Iowa cattle feeders perspective, talk to us about this fat cattle market and even the feeder calf market and procurement right now. Well, numbers are in the owners of cattle's favor right now. Um, and at the uh, feedlot end, uh, if you're trying to sell slaughter cattle and the, the Packers tried to, to muster enough strength to play hardball here a couple of weeks ago. And I sold some cattle three weeks ago tomorrow um, for 298 on a, a, a grid base. And uh, today the bid was 302.50 uh, for that same grid, the same grid base which would be a couple dollars higher on a cash on a live equivalent. And so even though they've tried to, to back the thing up, then the numbers just have made it pretty tough for them to do that. Um, there was even a, a rumor, I think uh, the plant, the JBS plant in Greeley, I think had a small fire, I believe. I think that's the right plant. There was a plant in Colorado, um, but it's uh, the damage was small enough that, and it kind of dovetails with some of these packers are trying to uh, cut down their their, their kill rate anyway, um, but it didn't even put any jitters through the market because the supplies are so are so tight. And 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 on the feeder side, uh, I just looked through, uh, you know, Northern's been selling cattle, uh, about 160,000 cattle this week. And I found five lots that sold in the last couple of days that I've had in the past, um, you know, some 625 steers, pound steers that bring 281. Um, some 635 pound heifers that bring 260. And I just went back and looked back um, to 2014 on prices I paid for those same cattle. And, and roughly it's around 14, you know, and this is just a thumbnail um, figure, but 14% higher on, on feeders now than what they maybe were bringing in August of 2014, which was kind of a, a watershed time when, when feeders got pretty high. Um, and so that's 14% more, but, but fats today on those on, on, well, from last week, if you compare last week's prices to the high that I sold cattle in the spring of 2015, fats are about 10 and a half percent higher 
than what they were in 2015. So, and if you look at it that way, and, and even on the, you know, even though the feeder cattle prices are really strong and they're 14% above 2015, what can we buy today that is only 14% higher than what it was in 2015? And so I think we need to keep our eye on that. And yeah, it feels great to be getting these, these price levels, but um, there's still a real problem on how much is coming back to the, the producer and be it the, the cow-calf producer or the, the feedlot operator. Absolutely. Excellent point. And we know that um, the USDA cattle inventory reports that were released last week showed a 2% decline in beef cow numbers since 2022 and also um, feedlot placements since last year. So herd rebuilding is not happening. And we just, there's signals, there's no signals in sight to say when that is going to start. So we definitely have a tall hill to climb to rebuild this part of our industry. So um, in other recent events in RCAP, Brett, you recently went out to a meeting at the White House from South Dakota. You sat um, at the White House at a meeting. Let's talk about that. Who was all there and, and what was the discussion? Oh, you know, it, it was a flying trip, kind of short notice. The, the White House had personnel there, the National Economic Council, uh, USDA. There were 16 ag organizations that were invited to attend, really wide array of ag organizations. And uh, I guess the reason that it didn't take me long to decide to make that trip is you know, the, the House Appropriations Committee, correct me if I have this right, I've been going to go back and nail down exactly because there's so many committees, select committees, whatever, you know, they had voted shortly before that meeting in a party line vote, I have to add, the Republicans voted to strip funding from the enforcement of the Packers and Stockyard Act that President Biden, that's what the thrust of the meeting was, was to revisit President the administration's executive order on competition. And, you know, probably the most favorable part of that for me was the clear definition and enforcement of the Packers and Stockyards Act. So you take it that the week before the meeting was announced to us that that vote took place to strip the funding from that effort and then subsequently earmark $10 million for a mandatory idea of livestock just in case it becomes law. And I felt that I had no choice but to go out there and try and refocus them on the most common question that I hear from everybody, Democrat, Republican, RCAF members, other group members is why don't we just enforce the laws on the books? It sounds so simple, but you know, the shenanigans are, are starting here again. So I guess that's that's why I went, you know, or my big thrust, I guess my pitch was, is that our calf is pro-America and nonpartisan. None of our initiatives would end anyone's business model, but by adding competition, it would let big and small compete on virtue of merit. And, uh, you know, just the fact that our calf lobbies all three branches of government. Uh, legislative, executive, and judicial. Legislatively, I wanted to push hard on the OFF Act and MCOOL. And, you know, a lot of others spoke at length about the OFF Act. So in terms of MCOOL, I 
just laid out the efforts that we've made in the last seven years. You know, I mean, if you think it doesn't take stamina to do this, we've been at it ever since repeal, trying to get MCOL back to allow American producers cattle that produce American beef to compete with these imports. And uh, I just, I told them about the, uh, the, the petition that we had with nearly four, around 400,000 signatures, I told them that we had finally gotten a bill filed, you know, in large part, thanks to some house or, or some state government resolutions that uh, strongly urge some uh, DC politicians to get this effort moving. Uh, the uh, morning consult poll that shows that 86% of voters support uh, bills like the American Beef Labeling Act to let them compete. So, you know, that, that was the thrust of the legislative efforts. Um, as far as the executive branch, I thank them for their effort on the enforcement of the Paxton Stockyards Act and, and competition in general. Um, It, it just, it's, it's so interesting. In DC right now, there's so much talk about antitrust enforcement and competition, and really it's on both sides of the aisle. But anybody is reluctant to actually put some teeth into this effort. And so I think that that's where we are right now. Uh, we, need, we need to run downhill into this farm bill. And so I just, uh, I, I, I spoke to the Packers and Stockyards Act of 1921. I mean, there it is, to assure fair competition in trade practices, to safeguard farmers and ranchers, to protect consumers, to protect members of the livestock, meat and poultry industries from unfair, deceptive, unjustly discriminatory and monopolistic practices. And, and those are the rules that we're working on right now to avoid litigation going forward to clearly lay those out and uh you know that that was the thrust of what i presented to them that and i thank them for allowing the perspective of the american cattlemen to dc because that's kind of a new development too we hear a lot from the beef industry and the beef industry sat right across the table from me ethan lane I, I just made it clear that there were things that Ethan, the beef industry and the cattle industry agree on. There are things that we vehemently disagree on, but, you know, we urge them, we thank them for hearing us today and urge them more so in the future to listen to both sides. And, you know, that's what I urge every politician that when the beef industry brings them something, it's their job to take into account what it's going to do to the independent small businesses in their constituency in terms of the cattle industry. And I guess to, to wrap up the DC trip, I, uh, I wrapped up my little presentation on the way to DC. I reread Dr. Robert Taylor's research paper. Uh, what was it? Uh, slaughtered, sl harvested cattle slaughtered market. And he had, he, he had a tremendous, uh, synopsis in there who controls the food system who do people want to control the food system will entry as a producer be by invitation only will exit from production be due to bad business practices of an individual or triggered by predatory activities of dominant corporations 
is the system fair? These are critical questions. And I just thought that was so powerful. You know, ultimately that is, is so much of what's being thrown back and forth in DC right now. I think we're getting closer to defining the problems, but you know, America has always had problems, but we've had the courage to face those problems and solve them. That I pray that we can still do that, but that, that's, that's what's on, upon us at this time. That's a great place to segue into having the courage to um, tackle those solutions. And so let's talk about the elephant in the room and that being the farm bill situation. What solutions in the farm bill is RCAF drawing the line at and fighting for to make sure that we return some of these uh, retail profits back to the independent cattle industry here in America? Well, I think, you know, our, our signature, our signature effort has to be M cool. Maybe not because any one of these are the most important, but because it's the, the simplest, most pro-America, you know, we, we draw our, land, our line in the sand at sovereignty to, for a nation to survive, you have to be able to allow your citizens production to differentiate itself. And I mean, I, I think that to a lot of people on the outside, uh, I'm not complaining. I love to work. <clears throat> I give up IQ points to everybody that surrounds me, but I love to work and it's a good thing because you roll into Farmville and RCAF and you better have your head screwed on because it has been busy, 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 busy. And I think to a lot of people on the outside, they feel like maybe yeah, we got a Senate bill and we got a few sponsors and, uh, you know, that's it. But we've still been pushing and I, I can't make any specific announcements, but I did get kind of permission to say that we have some exciting news coming tomorrow in terms of getting the effort of MCOOL moved into the House of Representatives. And uh, I just think that that is going to open the door to a lot of our other issues because, whether you're a beef eater or a vegan, nobody wants to be lied to. And, and that's what we're trying to put an end to. Um, so that, that's M cool, essentially. So yes, we soon will have a, a bicameral approach to um, getting M cool into the farm bill. And another issue where we already do have solid footing, a bicameral effort going on is the OFF Act, the Opportunities and Fairness and Farming Act. Do either one of you want to speak to those checkoff reforms that we are fighting for? <laughs> Eric, Eric, do you have anything to say or you want me to? Well, all that I was going to maybe jump in before earlier when you were, you know, started talking about our kind of our priorities. I think of all the RCAF members that I know, you know, the, the, the two issues that you just put out there, MCOOL and the checkoff are, are kind of really the ties that bind so many of our of our great members together. Um, and there's we have, a you know, I think we're pretty, pretty solid agreement that that uh, uh, that there needs to be, you know, we've got to have MCOOL and uh, and the, the terms in the OFF Act um, are, are important. You know, there needs to be transparency, you know, and you just go down the list. Um, in fact, I heard um, 
on the media that's not generally favorable to our calf today, they were talking about how, yeah, you know, they were talking about the offense and how transparency is, you know, it's really what, what, uh, you know, we really need that. And, but then they said, but, you know, but this bill is going to, will kill the, the checkoffs, which is, is not true. And so they've demagogued this terribly and I'm, I'm really disappointed. And I would encourage, you know, a, a bunch of our groups that would typically be pulling, um, the other direction than what we're doing. They, they evidently need to have better knowledge for of what some of these proposals are that RCAF's working on. And I'd encourage them to come to our convention here in August uh, so that they can come away with, with, with better knowledge. You know, and it's something you just said, um, I wanna take it and use it. You said that between MCOOL and coupled with checkoff reform, those seem to be the two issues that across the board our CAF members come back to our directors, staff, leaders, and say, you know, these are our hot button issues, um, labeling and checkoff reform. And so if any of you are watching and you find yourself in that camp of agreeing that those are your hot button issues too, well, then it's time to swell the ship. It's time to um, join and become a member of our CAF, or maybe you've lost track of where your membership is give us a call and we can check to see, you know, if your membership is current, but it is time to swell the voice of rural America, of cattle producers who want their um, product fairly marketed in our own market. And also if you're a consumer who does not want to be a part of the fraud that you are subject to at the meat counter at the grocery store, then it is time to join um, this group of like-minded individuals and join RCAF. So excellent point, Eric. Um, Also on the farm bill front, let's talk about Packers and Stockyards enforcement. I know that that is a hot button issue for both of you and kind of wraps up our um, our tri trifecta of farm bill issues that we are fighting for hard. Yeah. And obviously I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't leaving that one off the list as I'm one of the plaintiffs in, in our antitrust suit. So obviously uh, market uh, issues and competition issues are, you know, very near and dear to my heart as it is uh, to a lot of our calf members as well. Um, and, you know, Brett read the, you know, the, the important parts of the, the PNS um, from 1921. And, um, and, you know, I think right now that it's, uh, well, just what the maneuvering that's been done on the House side um, to try to keep any, any additional funding in, in, you know, in light of all of the Uh, lawsuits that have been filed and all of the out-of-court settlements that have been made between producers, um, wholesalers, retailers, and the meatpacking industry, um, I I think that you'd be hardly in any circle, be hard-pressed to find people that didn't think that that, uh, there's probably additional work that needs to be done at PNS, you know, and so, um, so obviously, you know, we're, we're still hopeful. So, Brett? add on to that. No, I mean, and thank you for reminding me of that. Yes, that was the third part of my very brief presentation at the White House is legislative, executive, and judicial. I reminded them that that we are the major force behind what may turn out to be one of the largest and because of its timing, most important antitrust actions 
in a century. Um, you know, industry after industry is facing these woes of concentration, right? And I just think that yeah, who has more to lose than the American rancher? I mean, every year I get older, maybe it was my trip to DC. Man, you're out in the hayfield, you look around, or you're out in the pasture. Holy crap, we're lucky. I mean, really, to, to have that nature around you, you know, and not just to enjoy the nature, but to keep you grounded. And, uh, you know, so, so we are fortunate. And uh, Eric and I, we were talking about this a little bit before. You know, the American rancher might be fighting America's last stand here. When you when you look at the issues that we're going for, and again, we're nonpartisan, we're pro-American. I, I, I can't push that enough that we are nonpartisan, pro-American, America first. We want competition. Competition makes us all try harder. And uh, ultimately, you know, our, our system of government was set up you know, one, one of the things that I keep stumbling back to in this, one of the most profound discoveries in my simple mind that I've come to in the last year is somehow I stumbled across Federalist 51. And in that, in that paper, I think it was James Madison, maybe it was Hamilton or, or Jay, I don't remember. But they wrote, if, if men were angels, we would need no government. And if angels governed men, we would need no restraints on power of government. And really, if you bring it forward, a transparent competitive market is the ultimate separation of power between segments of an industry and between an industry and a consumer. And uh, I, I just think that we, we have to push that. These, we are dealing with, Everything in America is big. There's two or three everything that build everything that we need or sell us everything that we need. It doesn't matter if it's seed companies, if it's tractors, if it's vehicles, you know, four meat packers killing 85% of the cattle, whatever. We're having a bigness issue here. And, and the premise of bigness is what, Eric? What is this, the Chicago School of Economic Standard of Antitrust? Consumer benefit or consumer harm, okay? And the reason we deregulated was to create efficiency. 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 They always preach efficiency. And I, I love this antitrust stuff. It makes you think. Okay. So if the reason to get big is to be efficient, and the reason to have a corporation is to return profits to your shareholders, why are you ever going to be expected to share that efficiency with the people that are buying your, prof your product? You're going to keep that efficiency. Corporations are not benevolent. I'm not complaining. I'm, it, it's just a fact. They, they have, they're not set up on benevolence. They're, they're efficient for a reason. We all want to be efficient so that we can be more profitable, so that we can buy the things we need to live our lives. So I don't even know where I started with that. But, you know, and I mentioned that too out at the White House, that it really is a check on power. And I think that we really do need more a more robust enforcement of checks and balances in our government because we have too many elected officials putting power over to these bureaucracies. The elected officials blame the bureaucracy. Oh, it's USDA's fault. They should be doing this. And USDA can say, oh, well, 
these guys, instead of having checks and balances, it's become about a plausible deniability almost the way we've gone. And so that's why we need clear rule of law, such as MCOOL, such as the OFF Act, you know, maybe the question of our time, the question of this farm bill is, is were the checkoffs established to become lobbying funds? Because you can call me an animal rights activist all day long. I can show you issue after issue that shows that they are just not even blushing as they lobby. The other issue of our time is, do we have a right to know how our money is spent? in terms of clear disclosure, in terms of auditing. We have audits now, those audits are not compliance audits, those audits are accounting audits. And so I, I think that as we go forward, we're gonna to get to having some good discussions. And again, there, there's no sense to get your dander up. It's all about a matter of perspective and the most active participants pushing their perspective will be victorious. And so, Again, to Karina's point about we need members, we need people to engage, we need phone calls. This country will never be more than the, the cumulative effort of its citizens. We can no longer put our heads down, work hard, pay our taxes, and expect that somebody is taking care of these things for us. Um, we, we see where we've gotten it. It's okay. Nobody meant to let it get away on us. But we see the result, so we have to change course, make some adjustments. Excellent. So as you can all see watching, um, we've been very busy at RCAP the last few months. And so let's talk about what we've got coming up. We've got our annual convention in Rapid City, South Dakota, quickly approaching August 17th and 18th. Eric and Brett, what are you most excited about? Eric, go first. Well, I mean, this is fun because there's going to be, you know, so many friends that I've had for, for years and years and new friends that I haven't made yet and vendors uh, and the trade show side that I've gotten to know the folks uh, that are going to be there and, and have the chance to thank them. But, and that's not even counting going to the agenda. And I mean, I mean, it, it's really pretty cool. I mean, there aren't that many, RCAF folks that are, uh, you know, uh, it's weighted pretty heavily with, with folks from outside of RCAF. I mean, I just, Representative Harriet Hageman is a patriot. I mean, can't, and I'm just, um, and I'm excited for the sheep counts, uh, the, the sheep committee chair report, and then the sheep industry panel. And Bill Bullard has said for years that the sheep industry is kind of the canary in the coal mine um, for the cattle industry. And if a lot of people don't understand what's been going on in the sheep industry, they they need to pay attention to that. And then um, I've been involved with the Coalition for Prosperous America, and there's a bunch of patriots at that group, and they've got one of their um, uh, their trade council that are going to be uh, visiting with us um, about some of the things that are going on at WTO, which is going to be great. And then Tracy Hunt. Tracy Hunt has been worth the price of admission at our RCAF meeting since he started talking. And there will be guys that will say that, well, you know, you won't have anything new and they're wrong. Um, and I can't wait. To, and, and that's just the first day. Right. And so then you go into the next day and, you know, our calf was fighting for property rights before property rights, before the battle was even really known. Um, and I only wish that, that Angus McIntosh could be with us because um, he helped us um, really get established there. 
um, you know, Open Markets Institute, um, Claire Calloway is going to be there, um, a rancher from the U.S.-Mexico uh, border, um, here, you know, real life um, feedback for what it's like uh, there. Um, Dr. Thornsberry and our animal health report, uh, committee report is going to be awesome. And of course, Bill Bullard, there's only one, one bill. And then our keynote speaker, Eva, and then Brett always pronounces uh, this uh, lady's last name for me um from the uh from holland um but going to be talking about all of the the issues that are that have been going on with trying to control the food um and and really in the global war on farming and so you, you wrap all that together and it, it's um it's out it's going to be it's going to be awesome well brett eric didn't leave you much to talk about other than the good food i guess well i mean i want him to take her on today last name <laughs> <laughs> I haven't practiced enough. I believe it's Ava Vladinger broke. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've got to start out right where Eric started. The thing that I look forward to the most by far is the people, you know, getting to see all these people that we haven't seen for a year, getting to meet new people. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a feel at that convention. Um, I love it that we start with prayer breakfast. You know, the, the woke folks can take their business elsewhere. If we want to start with a prayer, we will. And it, it's tremendous. In fact, I'm going to go share Max's presentation from last year from his prayer breakfast. Um, yeah, you know, Eric talks about property rights. You know, I think Angel Cushing is an up and comer. I really enjoy hearing, I'm, I'm going to try to stay away from specific names because there's so many good ones. I mean, you've got Harriet Hageman. Uh, I think we have Mike Rounds coming to speak. He was one of the original co-sponsors of the MCOOL bill, American Beef Labeling Act. Um, you know, the antitrust update, It's it, it just goes on and on. But yeah, I guess ultimately, Tracy Hunt and I visited a lot and we just kind of reflected on how RCAF basically was born as a pro-sovereignty organization whether it's uh you know in response to NAFTA in response to free trade um and then we've moved on to issues such as M cool do the American people have the right to choose where their food is from and now if you watch any national media, you see the rise of ESG, global governance, radical green environmentalism. And I, I think it's really fitting that we pushed hard to get Ava to come. And I'll get to my ultimate question for her, but it's, it's amazing that she's gonna land in South Dakota because we've had some stuff going on in South Dakota in terms of this carbon dioxide pipeline shipping carp, uh, liquefied carbon dioxide across five states to sequester it or dump it in the ground in North Dakota. Uh, a lot of eminent domain issues going on, a lot of government, everybody looking at each other, not knowing what to do. But, you know, 600 citizens showed up in pier and asked for a special session. It hasn't happened yet, but it's just so interesting to see how citizens showing up being peaceful being respectful can trump a lot of money a lot of political power and make their voices heard and and that's what ava 
that's what drew us to her is that she was a part of the farmers taking their tractors to town to protest the radical environmental initiatives in the Netherlands. And I guess that's special to me because my parents were active with the tractor cage in the 70s and 80s. And my dad always said that, you know, we could have changed everything if we could have just gotten more people to stand up. And I really do think that the times that we live in, when you merge radical global environmentalism and technology, <laughs> I think we're in the, some times that could be, they're either gonna be so exciting for our children or they have the opportunity to be so dark. And so, yeah, we just urge people to come out, get some perspective. That's my big question for Ava. How do you get farmers and ranchers to let the friggin' hay lay for a day and go fight for their place? Because that is the question of our time. And I'm as guilty of it as anybody, but ultimately you don't have to have a PhD. You just gotta have some fire in your belly to fight for what's yours and the rest will come, come along. And so that's why I invite people to come to convention. I think it, it has the potential to just really be an eye-opening learning experience, so. Well, with that, we're gonna let Jaden take it away and um, take us out of here for the evening with some convention details. Yes, and actually I wanna kind of go a little bit away from convention for a second because we have a lot of other events coming up in the fall also. Um, and so like we have a lot of affiliate events and meetings um, I know stock, South Dakota Stock Growers, iBand, um, what are the other ones, Karina? We have quite a few that have meetings in the fall. Um, so check your state um, association and see if you're going to have a meeting. Um, and we also get into our calf sale season as we get into the fall. After our convention, we usually have our first rollover pretty quickly. Um, so if you want to donate a calf or your sale barn that wants to host a fundraiser, let us know. But yeah, so lots of ways to get involved and be active that are coming up. But yes, okay, convention. That is our main focus right now. It is, we're getting really close. Um, it's our 24th annual convention and our theme is American Spirit. And we're kind of biased, but I'm pretty sure that is one of the best terms to describe this event and just our membership as a whole. Um, so if you've never been to convention or it's been a few years, this is a year to make it out to Rapid City for sure. Um, and so we kind of touched a little bit on our, you know, presentation lineup and we're incorporating a few new things. Um, one of those being a welcome reception on Wednesday, August 16th. Um, we have our affiliate meetings in our policy development committee meetings Wednesday afternoon. Um, so if you want to bring policy um, forward on, what is that, Friday is our business session. Um, I encourage you to come to those meetings and just that's where you sit and you talk with the other committee members of what are we going to, you know, put in this policy? What are we going to get voted on um, with the rest of the membership? Very important meeting. Um, but so then after that, we are hosting the welcome reception in the Civic Center. So you can come see us at five o'clock for appetizers, drinks, early registration, just a little bit of extra time to talk with some people that are usually busy during the bulk of convention. Um, you also hear a quick presentation from our sponsors of this event, which is Farmers Business Network and Boeinger Ingelheim. They have generously sponsored the Wednesday reception. 
Um, and so then moving into Thursday and Friday, Brett and Eric pretty much touched on a lot of our speaker topics, but you're going to get your money's worth um, when it comes to the presentations we have lined up. We've worked really hard to develop an agenda of we'll hear from DC representatives, we'll hear about rural mental health, the sheep industry, um, updates on our lawsuits, the WTO, the GRSB. I mean, I could go on and on about just all the different presentations we have lined up. But, um, you know, we're excited to hear from Eva, as Brett said, and kind of told you a little bit about her. And um, we've issued some just information about her that you can read up on. She's going to be a really good presentation to catch. Um, but then the last few things, we need your help getting people to convention and getting media at convention. So if you have any media connections, go ahead and tell them about our convention, send them our way, and just share that RCAF convention information far and wide help us get as many people and as much attention as we can. Um, and to finish the convention talk, I want to say if you have not gotten your hotel room, our one of our hotel room blocks are completely full already. So we have one block left that still has some opening and um, some kind of backup hotels as well. Um, and also, if you plan on attending, pre-registration ends August 1st. That date is just to help us make your experience at convention more enjoyable helps us get food, table numbers, all that good stuff. Um, so we have all the information on convention, the agenda, speakers, hotel details on rcafconvention.com. Um, you can register there or call the office and we'll get you all taken care of. Um, but what else, anything else, Eric, Brett, Karina, what else to close this out? Well, I'm, I'm glad that you touched on how things kick off on Wednesday. And I didn't, you know, I didn't mention the, the affiliates and, and, you know, I mentioned meeting up again with a lot of friends and, and a lot of those are, you know, the uh, members of the, our affiliate groups from around the country, whether it's folks from down in Colorado or Wyoming or Washington state or Iowa. Um, uh, I'm, you know, I'm excited to, uh, to have that time to, to meet with our affiliate members, um, you know, Wednesday afternoon. So encourage, you know, those folks to come, um, and, and kick everything off uh, in the right fashion. Yeah, energized affiliates really are the key to what we do because they are constituents of the government officials that we try to move and their, their input is so critical. Jaden mentioned the motel rooms. Uh, I think the secondary one is the Howard Johnson, right? Yep. And that's it rcafconvention.com you can find mm -hmm. information i've stayed at the howard johnson's nice place really close there easy traffic that's probably the best thing about rapid city it's easy traffic it's not hard to drive and uh yeah i guess the last thing is if you've got any fight in you this is the run downhill to farm bill for five years we've heard ah we'll wait till farm bill we'll do that in farm bill and so it's all converging now to see what we can get in there. And I just think that uh, our common sense platform, we, we have the opportunity to get a lot done in this farm bill. Well, thank you everybody for joining us tonight. Continue to watch all of the RCAF social media platforms and website for up-to-date information on what we've got going on in new developments. I really encourage you to stay very close to RCAF's information that they put out because we're going to have some good news, I think, coming very soon. So have a great night, everybody. Thanks for joining us.
As this episode was recorded on July 27th, we have an update regarding mandatory country of origin labeling. On July 28th, Representatives Hageman of Wyoming and Kana of California have introduced the Country of Origin Labeling Enforcement Act in the House of Representatives. So stay tuned for that bill number and start making calls to your representatives asking them to co-sponsor. Thank you, Representative Hageman and Representative Kana, for your support of mandatory country of origin labeling. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the RCAP USA Roundup. For more information regarding the 2023 convention and for registration and hotel details, visit rcapconvention.com. Stay involved in the conversation and give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. RCAP USA is set apart from all other National Cattle Associations because we rely solely on membership dues and donations to carry out our mission to ensure the continued profitability and independence of United States cattle producers. We exist only because of the support from our members. We ask you to help support RCAP USA. First-year new memberships are $50, and after that, all renewals are $100 each year. To become a member or to donate, call 406-252-2516 or go to r-calfusa.com.